Hello and welcome to today's VJ Hemong podcast. We are a global open access video journal bringing you the latest in hematological oncology. In today's podcast, you will hear from leading experts in myelodysplastic syndromes who discuss the role of novel cellular therapies in MDS and challenges in this space. First, you will hear from David Salman, who highlights the promise of bringing CAR-T therapy to MDS. So I think we're all looking for a novel immunotherapy and, and CAR-T of course has been a paradigm shift in malignant hematology as far as treatment with lymphoma, myeloma, acute lymphoblastic leukemia. So there are trials ongoing. Most actually right now are AML, although there's a high degree of overlap. I think we need to often get past this arbitrary separation between MDS and AML. And if we think about many of the antigens that are being targeted, um, there's likely relatively similar expression uh, in the MDS patients, especially higher risk patients. So the main single antigen CARs um, thus far have been CD33, CD123, CLL1. There has been some data across, um, particularly CD33 that has had some responses. So for example, there is a Presagen um, Ultra CAR T-cell, which is sort of a rapid manufacturing process we've been a part of. We did report on three MDS patients that were treated. Unfortunately, none of those patients um, responded. So I do think, is do they have a different um, you know, T-cell uh, immune microenvironment, especially with autologous products are they more immune deficient or not? But I think the key is both for MDS and CMML is start to enroll these patients. Many of the targets that we're utilizing at AML are also expressed in MDS, although I think there are still some key uh, follow-up studies to look at. Is there differential expression based on disease setting, past treatments? And I still think there's work to optimally define which targets, but I'm hopeful to start to include more MDS patients in these cellular therapy options. Next, Eric Padron and David Salman highlight some major challenges with bringing CAR-T therapy to the MDS treatment landscape. The problem with CAR-T and MDS is similar to that across myeloid malignancies, and it's, it's several fold. One, uh, the challenge is target identification. Unlike in um, lymphoid malignancies, um, there isn't a very clear um, ubiquitously expressed target on the leukemic cells that isn't expressed in um, normal cells that are essential. And so that's a, a, a huge challenge. And there's a lot of great science trying to overcome that in a variety of different ways. Um, and then the other challenge is that uh, probably unlike lymphoid malignancies, the microenvironment um, that harbors the leukemia, the bone marrow um, of myeloid neoplasms is, is quite immunosuppressive, um, whether that be through the expansion of myeloid-derived suppressor cells or inflammatory cytokines, you know, and whether it be that the CAR-T just doesn't get to the, the bone marrow at sufficient quantities or it gets there and it's just ineffective is another major hurdle. And so again, there's great science trying to identify therapies that could augment that um, microenvironment to make CAR-Ts more effective. But, you know, there's still, I think, a long way to go. There's very exciting uh, clinical studies led by David Salman at Moffitt as well, who's looked at um, CAR-T and myeloid malignancies. Um, but our hope is that, you know, finding the right target and optimizing the microenvironment are really the keys here. 
I think CAR-T development across myeloid malignancies in both MDS and AML probably has two major issues. One is that we do not have a uniform target. So we don't have a CD19, we don't have a BCMA. And so there is both expression on both malignant and wild type, as well as not uniform expression on the blast cell by itself. So I do think going forward, we're going to have to create cellular therapy options that target more than one antigen. We really need to augment the efficacy. So could you do, for example, CD33, CLL1, CD123, CLL1 or other combinations I think this is quite urgently um, needed to really um, augment the efficacy. I think the other issue is the um, fitness and function of these T cells. So again, most um, CAR Ts to date have been with autologous products, and are their T cells dysfunctional to the point that they, um, you know, will not be effective? I think is a big question. Um, potentially, again, allogeneic products could fit that build. So I think we have a mixture of both a T cell fitness as well as a target issue. But again, we we need to run these trials. But I think we have to think more outside the box, not sort of just paralleling what's been done in B-cell malignancies um, in order to really offer our patients you know, the most promising therapies. Lastly, you will hear from Jacqueline Garcia, who discusses the importance of implementing novel immune therapies in MDS, agents under investigation, and ongoing trials in this space. It's been a real challenge for us to get uh, great immunotherapies in the MDS landscape, but we had learned already from the high success with transplantation that manipulation of the immune environment is absolutely critical. Um, so for a long time, we had been trying to take a look at the role of checkpoint inhibitors, and though there is some early encouraging data and safety, we just hadn't seen a lot of efficacy and changes in outcome. In the meantime, we've gone on to take a look at other types of immune therapies, including drugs that target other alternative uh, negative regulators like TIM3. So there was a recent sabatolumab uh, combination study with azacitidine, and the initial uh, studies looked very encouraging and interesting in terms of safety, uh, early response rates, um, and including among intermediate and higher risk patients. Um, at this year's ASH, they were able to give an update in the Stimulus, two the stimulus 1 trial with the phase two data that was uh, where they showed patients that were randomized to azacitidine um, with or without sabatolumab. And it looked like the, the response rate and the progression-free survival rate did not meet the primary endpoint. Um, but there was some interesting data when you took a look at some disease subsets where there looked to be some uh, divergence of the curves um, for certain certain subsets of patients, maybe those with lower disease burden. Um, what we ultimately need is an overall survival readout, and that's been our biggest challenge in MDS is finding uh, uh, drugs and combinations that can lead to that, especially when we're comparing it to historically to a drug like azacitidine. Um, and so there are phase three studies ongoing, including with sabatolumab, where we're hoping to see uh, what the overall survival differences are. Um, besides sabatolumab, we have a lot of interest in CD47 inhibitors. That's uh, another uh, checkpoint through the macrophage, uh, don't eat me signal. Um, and there has been encouraging data when it's combined with azacitidine and, and even in AML with azacitidine venetoclax. Um, but there is an ongoing uh, trial with azacitidine pl uh, plus or minus megrolumab, and we're all looking forward to seeing how that reads out. Um, besides that, there are indirect innate immune system uh, therapies, uh, like small molecule inhibitors from IREC4, um, and two other drugs that are now available and being assessed in the lower risk setting, such as canakinumab or CX, uh, CR1 uh, two inhibitors, uh, where in today's uh, early uh, MDS session, we were able to hear some really encouraging uh, safety data and early uh, responses. 
Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VJHemonk and subscribe to VJHemonk Podcasts on Spotify, Apple and Podbean. Until next time.